Hi, everybody. Welcome. Susanna Johnson with What School Could Be. Um, and I'm pretty excited. Thanks so much for joining us, whether it's right now in the moment or asynchronously for this summer series. Um, looking for inspiration already. We've had a couple of amazing sessions, and so this is going to be no different. Our um, conversation today is crafting authentic experiences, authentic learning experiences through PBL. And Aaron Maurer and his team, Beth Campbell and Sarah Weiss, are going to share with us what they're doing in Iowa and how things are working. So as they get started, just introducing themselves and a little bit about what their roles are and what, what the, the work is that they're doing, feel free to drop in the chat as well where you are calling in from and what your role is as well. But thanks so much, Aaron, Beth, and Sarah, for being here. And for everybody who made it synchronously for the time, we do appreciate it. Thanks so much for being here. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're extremely honored to uh, be able to share some of our learning experiences. And so before we, we dive into that, this uh, bald guy speaking at you here, mm -hmm. afternoon for us, I know it's early morning or maybe late night for others. Um, my name is Aaron Maurer and I'm a STEM lead. So I support 21 school districts on the Eastern side of the state of Iowa and uh, STEM computer science and creating opportunities uh, through project-based learning and, and creating authentic learning experiences, which has allowed me then to connect with these two phenomenal educators, which they can go ahead and introduce themselves. I'm Beth Campbell, and I'm a teacher librarian here in Iowa. And I'm Sarah Weiss, and I currently teach sixth grade. I've taught kindergarten, second and third. Um, and jumping into this PBL with Aaron has been exciting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we're, we're, we're gonna go with the assumption that we're all here because we understand the why we need authentic learning and, and hands-on learning and, and that deeper learning. So we're we're going to bypass the why and really get into where we've been kind of hanging out in our last couple of weeks of school is wrapped up of reflecting on a year where we've really tried to push all of our growth edges and creating these experiences and doing it with more intentionality. And, um, you know, as, as they'll talk about, they we've heard we've talked about all year, you know, trying to go away from fake work and make sure everything we're doing is meaningful at the time we have with kids. And so to set the context, we've I know there was a link in the events um, invite for one of our projects that we explored working with NASA, the driving question of what are the ingredients to survive, regardless of time, space or place where we tried to weave in. Um, well, it started with a problem that Sarah had in her classroom, and it started with how do we address teaching ancient Egypt beyond just pyramids and pharaohs, and how do we make sure it's meaningful for students? And then that led into, oh, ended up going, you know, through a lot of phases. Um, you know, we had the idea of teaching zombies at some point, which they discarded, <laughs> but we got to this idea of what, what, what did it take to skills, the mindsets and dispositions in ancient times, looking at present times of all 13, but the soccer team that was trapped in the cave for their language arts, nonfiction writing, to then creating tangible solutions with NASA for their Artemis project, which is currently underway, um, which if you're not familiar with that, by the time our sixth graders graduate high school, in theory, they should be able, we should all be able to look up at the moon and see lights and infrastructure because we'll have people living on the moon. Like it's a thing that's happening. And so regardless of time and location, what are those, those things that are needed? Um, and so it came with trying to solve a teacher problem led to a really powerful authentic learning experience. And so if we look at that concept there, I don't know where you guys want to dive in, thinking about how do we then go about crafting that? How do you actually make that happen um 
to get to that point where it tur turned out to be incredibly powerful for, for all of us involved. So I don't know, I'll kind of segue it off to you guys. We think about how we initially started <laughs> to craft that. I mean, because I think that upfront stuff is what gets overlooked in a lot of books and articles and things to actually make sure we've got something meaningful. Okay, I'm gonna start. Oh. Sarah always makes fun of me because she, I always make her start, but I'm, I'm gonna go ahead, I'm taking the lead here. I know, right. I know. We use the word paint done a lot because we have to be able to like think about our outcomes and that end piece. So it's not project-based learning for the sake of project-based learning, but what is it that we really want our students at the end to be able to embody and hold and care about? So Sarah, I'll let you add on there. Okay. okay. Yeah. <laughs> so following our following, just sitting down and sort of painting our done and, and outlining our outcomes, we then obviously have to work within the system that we're, we've been given. So then we start to pull in our standard work. Um, in Iowa, we call them universal constructs. They are probably like what people would say soft skills are. I don't know. Um, and our SEL competencies. And we wrap all of those in. We intentionally spend time. Um, really trying to weave. We don't want anything to be isolated. Uh, we don't teach anything in pockets. So we intentionally design for that weave um, and to make sure that that school part, that, that standard part, that, that proficiency part and the critical thinking part is being done as well. Um, so we spend, a, we spend a lot of time intentionally designing that, that piece and then we build our project around, around that. And I would say coming out of that too, that was, I think, a a big mind shift for me, so I can't speak on behalf of them, but I know we've had conversations around it was so much pressure on educators' shoulders. The burden is like to make sure kids are always proficient. We're reaching every standard. We got data for every single thing we do. You know, um, we often, or I often joke that there's just not enough time for teachers anymore to even like fart and have a sip of Pepsi anymore, right? It's just so much stuff <laughs> that teachers have to do. And so we looked at it, like how do we shift that narrative in our brain? And so we try to look at it, the standards are the foundation. Like they're not a goal that we're trying to achieve. We're going beyond that. And I think I've heard, they were just speaking with some teachers in Idaho uh, last week, and it was like core and more, I think is, is, is yeah. what they were talking about. We know it, those are non-negotiables, but we're not reaching for that. We're, we're going to go beyond that, but how do we also make sure that when people ask, the job's being done? And I think that allows us to then start to rethink our school day to free up time for kids to live in that space of trying to navigate, you know, questions that don't have an answer that you can find in an arts and craft project on teachers pay teachers or you know something like that so um, I think that was a huge mindset as we were going into that you know up front that was different from maybe years past as we've planned and, and tried to figure out some stuff and I and I would I'm gonna kind of rabbit hole but connect here a little bit um, I think one of the things too that helps us be successful in this work is really setting the stage at the very beginning of the year with our culture and, and expectations our bar is high um, productivity and accountability is super important and we have systems in place within the classroom that we use to make sure that not only the adults are are uh, held to that standard and that level of accountability but our students as well and it, it's really threaded through all of the work that we do um, another piece that we really really value is the feedback loop and so we spend tons of time on a feedback loop with not only our peers but with experts and, and other um, adults, we can get in here to listen to what we're what we're doing. Um, and so those pieces for us too are just super authentic, 
There are pieces that, of course, we have to intentionally set up and, and create frameworks for up front. But um, that is that is a piece of our authentic uh, environment that we that we play in with our with our kids. And I'm going to add on to Sarah's once that's set up and, and just how we do business business in here. We wrestle, we wrestle with hard questions. When Aaron talked about that big, thick question that you know threads everything that we do, we come back to those big, thick questions all the time. We love cognitive complexity in here. We thrive on it. And when we have that kind of deep thinking happening in here, our students crave it. They want it. Um, it eliminates a lot of behavior issues and whatever, because we, we do believe that they can all get there when we work together. And when we wrestle with those hard questions, again, it comes back to that authentic, um, it's not fake. They're, they're wrestling with real real questions in the real world. When, when they have that worthy work, I mean, we want to bring in SEL competencies as well. When, that, when they understand that the work is worthy and that what they're doing matters, um, they feel valued mm -hmm. and they feel um, like they have a huge accountability, they have a lot of accountability on their shoulders and they're, they're wanting to prove it. And so, um, that, that's a, just another really important piece, I think, to, to what we do and how we craft. And a lot of that too, also was us rethinking the use of experts. Um, mm. and so maybe one of the few benefits of, of COVID is people are really comfortable with Zoom now and they don't think twice about jumping on a call. I think people are more willing to do that than ever before. But so many times in the classroom setting, you might get an expert for like a one type, one time conversation where it's kind of like a scripted, you know what you're going to get and this and that. Where we were fortunate, and it's not always easy to do, is when we were working with Stephen Smith from NASA, talking about that authentic learning, we were giving, we also had feedback loops with him, where he was allowing the kids to sit there and say, you know, that problem actually is not a problem, or that problem's been solved. Things that we couldn't find, even with professional Google searching skills, as we're doing, doing our own research and trying to, to learn all the things that kids were going in these different realms of survival and space, um, just brings another layer. And so it's also on the flip side, when someone from NASA says, that's a really great idea, you should run with that. Like there's something that's different that you, we could say it as classroom teachers or educator support. And it just like, well, that's just Mrs. Vice, you know, telling us, you know, and again, it comes back to culture and it's never that simple in here. Like they do value her thing, but there's another element when an expert's coming back and you know, you got to share your idea and you're going to come back in two weeks. And you know what? He gave you some thoughts and input. You don't have to use them, but what did you do with that? Because he, he wants to know there's another element that all of a sudden it's no longer about a grade or, you know, playing the game of school because you want your stuff to work. Um, you know, regard in our case, it was NASA. We did another project and it was about telling the story of a woman who survived uh, the Holocaust, the Jewish woman. We want to make sure that we capture her story to the best possible way we could that was respectful to her you know so wherever that expert element is is weaving them in throughout the whole process not just as a launch or at the end again that feedback loop is just critical to just everything that we do in here so there's never a one and done it's just revisiting 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 and another thing i think that oh go ahead you want to jump in there no, I just I just wanted to expand a little bit or ask a little bit to dive a little bit more deeply into that because I, I think we're hitting on something that we're seeing is that we've all got to get comfortable with that feed, feedback loop and that it's always formative. It's always about what is this, where does this take us next instead of it being the end of learning or stopping learning moments as other 
prior, you know, different kinds of summative assessment stuff is, has done, but it's really, it's about the whole process and that there is that constant evolution and it's dynamic. So in terms of getting not just the students comfortable with that, but the educators, like, are there specific things that you did to incrementally get people more used to that process? Or you just dive in and say, this is going to be always part of the game. And so. Yeah, well, yeah. I'm glad you interrupted because it triggered a thought that we've got to figure out how to better improve the methods going forward for next year when we launch this. And one of it was well, the first time he was our launch. He's the one that, that got the kids excited, got the intrigue like this. We got the Zoom call from NASA. That's what kind of set the stage for the work that we were going to do. And they were obviously pretty jacked about that. Um, you know, but then you get into the hard work of we didn't we had a question, but they had to identify the actual problem they wanted to solve. And so often in education, we give them the problem and they're designed to come up with a solution. So there was a whole layer that was really hard, I think, even for us to navigate as educators. Like, how do we navigate that? Well, we're not telling them we think we should do that problem. Yeah, go with that. Like they had to have that ownership in where they wanted to go very specifically. So an example would be we had a group that was wanting to do wanted to create a rover. But actually, if you really dial that down, all the things they wanted doesn't matter if it can't move. And so they had to constantly reiterate their idea to a point where they end up focusing on a wheel design because there are issues with wheels to handle the, the, the regolith of like the moon powder and the rocky stuff. And so that's never where, if we were told a sixth grader, we need you to look at wheel design. Like they would have, they would have threw up a little bit and we probably would have had behavior issues and, and, and disengagement. But where I wanted to go on that is, you know, thinking about that after we met with Stephen the first time, flipping the script of, again of the use of, ed, of experts and trying to help the kids realize they are in control. So when next time you speak with Steven, you're not sitting there waiting for him to lead it. This is your time with him. This is your learning. What do you need to know? Because you have an opportunity to speak with someone who knows stuff that we don't. And so that was hard. We, we tried our best, but I think, you know, I know I'm hogging a lot of air here, but we had them try to be prepared. They had a lot of questions. And I remember almost every group that asked their first question and Steven answered it. And it actually almost made the other nine questions null and void. Yeah. But we didn't know what to do, so they would ask the next question. Yeah. So yeah. our next round was we had to have that conversation. Like, you are in control. You are in charge. Yes, he's NASA, but this is not about him. It's about you. And they, become, they became so much better at that. But having that conversation, that's, a, that's another hard mindset shift. We're, you know, we're typically, it's on the overhead, we sit and we're just gonna take some stuff and we hope it's, there's a cool fact and we move on. Or now it's like, no, I need you to tell us about, we have questions for you, help us. And that's a confident thing that, you know, that we've got to figure out, I think, how to kind of curate that better leading up to it. Um, but some of that, I think they have to learn the hard way as well. So I don't know anything else you guys wanna add with experts in there. No, it's just super important. Yeah. 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 And I think we've, we've talked about this many times is that you can't do this work alone. Um, it, it takes a village, it takes a tribe, it takes vulnerability, it takes risk. I mean, um, three fourths of the time when Aaron comes in, he walks out and I'm just like, oh my gosh, I've been teaching a really long time and he taught me so much. So it's that vulnerability to reach out to others and glean and learn and, and just check our egos at the door. Because um, I really, that, that's when we learn and grow together. I appreciate that that perspective of of being in it together because that also it, the the big messy of like just when you think you've got some stuff figured out, there's more to figure out, and, and <laughs> it takes as it, as you said, it takes a village. Um, 
And I, I, there are two things I, I'm kind of curious about going down the path, but I also want to honor kind of what's been happening in the chat. And Rich has been talking a little bit about some of these things that are really about those authentic relationships. Um, and as Rich, your comment, and I'm just going to read it out loud for those folks who aren't here synchronously, that learning how to have an organic conversation with adults rather than following a script, probably the most important, one of the most important skills they developed, right? And this is, we forget to highlight those moments as authentic learning you know because we don't it's it's just not been valued and yet if people are are able to get there and 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 learn these skills in an early stage because they have authentic questions that takes the it, it teaches them how to do that in a way that it's just really purposeful and it's there um emmy's got a question that i want to um, honor too how do you deal with the kids that are rather shy and collaborating and speaking out and i think we've all experienced that and we've gotten there but i think it gets uh, even harder when you've got somebody from the outside on a call or a conversation, right? Like it increases those anxiety and shyness factors exponentially. So that's a great question. If you want to address that um, question as, as we move ahead. Yeah, I'll let them dive into that. But before we do it, just one more thought on experts. I know we're talking experts a lot here, but the other element is having lots of experts. So yeah, we had Steven for feedback on the ideas and actually are they like real things or not. But then we also brought in PBS um, and we worked with, we were able, we just, just through asking, asking's free. Like people are like, well, how do you find these people? You ask, you go on Google and you search all the people, you email them all and you just need one or two to click. But with PBS, we did like a station rotation where one was on the delivery of how they were speaking and the organization. And these are people who create the TV shows and they create the cartoons. Like this is what they do for a living. And again, we can say it, and we can do it through like all the stuff that we were really good at as educators. But there's, again, there's, there's something else when somebody outside that does that for a living is telling you the same exact thing. You know, we always, it's, it's, it's like parenting. I can say the same thing to my children a million times. Then they go to practice and the coach says it once. They're like, guess what the coach said? And I'm like, yeah, you're right. You haven't heard that since you were two. You know, I mean, so it doesn't matter how the message gets absorbed, but having those opportunities, we don't know when it's going to have a, a moment of impact and how it's going to be, you know, absorbed by the people. So just there's lots of ways to, I think, get that authentic feedback and that, that formative, like you guys were talking about. I mean, I think that that's really key. Um, but I do think we'll definitely reach out to the idea of, of the kids that are maybe shy or, or you know, maybe not as vocal as, as some others, which, you know, sometimes you wish you could switch those with certain children, you know, mm -hmm. but uh, anyways, I don't know if you guys have thoughts to that. You know, I think one of the hardest things by the time they're in sixth grade is we really have to work on the undoing school part with them. And they're so used to just being compliant and used to looking for a right answer and the right thing to say. And so I think that's what we're talking about too, when we talk about these authentic and organic conversations with adults. Um, but one of the things that we try to do from the very beginning is we embed opportunities and pieces. Um, so we gain a level of confidence and, and a level of comfortable um, I don't even know, just being comfortable um, to be able to have these conversations with adults. Um, so we, we do things, we podcast right away at the very beginning of the year. It's one of the very first things we do. And so um, they're live and they're recording and they have to engage in a conversation with each other and bounce off of each other. Even, even that's hard sometimes mm -hmm. for, for them. Um, we implement something we call panels where um, we would maybe read two or three chapters in our all 13 book. They'd have a topic. You have 10 minutes to prepare with your group and then you come up and you'd speak. And so everyone was accountable for, for participating in that. We, we often use the two words, articulate and illustrate. So everybody had to have a role in, in those two 
areas. Um, and we do that over and over and over and over. Um, so we just try to embed and allow for those um, collaborative conversations um, and presentations from the from day one. So for those kids that are a little maybe shy or, or hold back a little bit, it becomes more of a natural fit for them as the year progresses. Yeah, that makes me, oh, go ahead. Oh, um, we, lots and lots and lots of opportunities that are varied and different from very, what you said right, with a panel that you've got like 10 minutes to present. But when we had our NASA showcase night, I mean, we practiced that. And I would say to, to a student, every single one grew in their ability to confidently speak in front of an audience. Mm -hmm. Um, but again, it's how you do business in this classroom all year long to build that conversational competence. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I think one of the keys in the classroom is you're not just doing those types of learning opportunities when you're in a project. You're doing it all the time, whether you're in the thick of a, of a big project or not. And I think that's one of the great things they do. So when you're in that moment where you have to speak with an expert or speak in front of a large crowd for an exhibition where, you know, NASA did fly to Iowa, which is pretty awesome because not too many people like coming to Iowa, you know, and we had to speak to the press and had to speak to the news and, you know, um, Yes, they're nervous, but they're ready because that's just they do those types of things all the time. So now when you're in that moment of something really powerful, you do want to share, you're equipped for it. Um, and I think that's just one of the key elements. I think it's sometimes too, it gets caught up so many times. Like, I'm gonna do the project and the project's done. Now I'm gonna go back to what I used to do. Like mm -hmm. as opposed to like, no, the whole culture should always be there. Yeah, and, and you can't live in project world all the time, but you know, you have those moments where the ebb and flow, but the, the expectations don't change. And Aaron, your other word there is it's transfer, because I think no matter what we're doing, we're always looking for what did we do here that we now expect that transfers over to the next piece that we're doing so that they see that their work is authentic and it has a purpose and it, it's going to in service of the next piece or next step. I like that it's all visible and that the students are aware and in the process of um, of the process of learning and just what is the business of learning and and that there are those different modalities that you used in order to get them, for lack of a better word, desensitized to having to talk to, <laughs> to different people. Um, and it's and, and great point, I mean, too, in terms of, you know, that empowerment piece, right? Um, and I, I kind of want to come back around, Josh had this comment, and I'm thinking about just even who's in the room right now in this conversation, knowing that, you know, Rich, you've done such incredible work in this same realm, and, and that Josh, you've seen it across the country, too. It's that there's a joy that Josh brought up about the there was a greatest joy of teaching the authentic converse was the authentic conversations I had with my my high school kids and there's a joy that comes through as you talk about this work and I've seen it time and time again Rich even when you've had the hardest of hard days of the work that you're doing and, and making that visible to everybody that there's a joy that comes out of it for us too and I, I want to just acknowledge that it's up to you guys if you want to talk about it or not I also want to leave some space for questions but there's something really powerful about teachers having some joy in this process and so is that something that you've it's, you've seen grow with not only yourselves but with other teachers who are coming along for the work or is that exuberance coming through does it feel the same way that we're all thinking it feels which is awesome because it's authentic connection i mean i would try to yeah i think it is a, a phenomenal feeling when you're you're side by side at, a, at an equal footing with the with the student having those conversations and understanding, you know, there's a time and place for where we are in the system of learning, but that doesn't happen without that sense of belonging. 
And so I think a lot of times, if you're looking to get started, people want a, a, a standard set of lessons. They want, give me the activity, but they don't understand that like part of that to work, you, you gotta be a, just a normal human being. Like be yourself, talk normal. Like you don't have to like, you, you can't force that to, to happen. Like anything organic can't be forced. Like I'm gonna do this lesson, now we're gonna have this. We talk a lot about like even like social emotional learning. You could have the best canned curriculum or lesson or whatever you want to buy to use, but there's something about when the project doesn't work and the team's not working well or we're on the verge of tears because of we're you know sitting yeah. down and not just being like, well, good luck figuring it out because that's what group work is. No, it's sitting down and just engaging in dialogue. Like there it is, and they have to overcome those. It's not the teacher coming in and going, all right, we're going to split the group because you're just not playing well together. Like how, what are we gonna do? What are you gonna do? What are those steps? Putting that ownership on there and you know, teaching them those, those, those little tiny nuggets of, of, of thought and wisdom when it happens. And that's when it connects, not just, oh, it's, it's, it's time for social emotional learning for our 15 minutes and then nobody remembers it 10 minutes later when they you know, act like fools on the playground. Yeah, and, and I mean, it's up to you if you wanna ask your question or you want me to take it for you, but it's exactly where, where that was where you know that you're answering there uh yeah sure um when we're kind of talking about weaving sel competencies there's always the questions about so how do you assess the growth of that um and i would imagine it's not like summative type of things and i'm just curious like how how are you um letting kids to recognize their growth and sel competency so that they do feel ownership of the growth Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, you. <laughs> Sorry. We do a lot of like just on the moment, in the moment, black screen. black screen recordings. You know, we just have black fabric up. I just use my phone, but we'll take some of those questions and just pull each kid in or pull them in in a group and just talk about some of those just in the moment. And they're they're really powerful to like call it out and. Mm -hmm you know, your group really struggled or you were really upset when, or tell me how you work through that or what piece are you gonna take with you to the next work that we do? So I think, again, it's just real authentic people talking to people. And you can see all that on the website. So we record and take pictures of and video of everything. So if you wanna see some of those reflections, there are some really powerful insights from these sixth graders that don't sound like sixth graders. Um, you can, it's on that link that uh, Susanna shared earlier. We can put it in the chat here again. There's a whole page of a ton of them. You know, and another, another piece that we, we start early on is we truth talk in here. We truth talk from day one. Um, and, and when we're, we're comfortable and we're vulnerable and we're willing to do that, we truth talk as, as adults when we screw up or when we, we're not self-aware or we needed to be better socially, socially responsible in a different way, whatever. Our kids then start to develop those same patterns, right? And, and one of the other pieces that we spend a lot of time doing is whenever we reflect or we present um, after any of our work, it's never on the product. We're always reflecting on the process. And when we reflect on that process, that's also another time where they, they really dive in internally to where they were as a learner, as a human at the beginning of this work. Um, pieces where they failed and pieces where they, they were awesome and, and where they want to go from here. And so um, our NASA, in fact, our NASA reflections ended up changing in the last minute because 
we had some people that thought maybe our standard work should be in there. We should be speaking to standards. Of course, we, we spoke to those minimally, but the work itself showcased the standard work. Our entire presentation for NASA was, was a, I would call it almost an SEL process reflection right. um, on our work and our mindset and, and how we grew as a person throughout that, that time. And those are also on the website. I think it was, what's really kind of fascinating, um, there's lots of pages on there, I know, but in the very beginning, in the, uh, uh, the academy stage, we did a quick little, little mini PBL thing. We had them build a, a space colony out of Lego with, they had to have six components, but we didn't care if it was accurate or not, just build. We were watching for team dynamics and concepts and personalities before we kind of, and interest before we kind of figure out how that grouping is going to be for the long term. But if you watch those re, those presentations, they have to explain their space county. And then you watch the presentation that at the very end, not only do you get to hear that story journey, you these kids have, they've grown. Like they're completely a whole different person through this whole, and it's, you know, that right there. So, you know, anyone wants to question what learning, what happened, that's where I start. Watch this, watch that, and now come back with any concerns you have. And I've yet to have too much resistance. You it's know? transformative. I love that word too. Yeah. I, I really feel that they feel that too. We see that as adults in them, um, but as, as little people themselves too, they, I think they, they can sense and they feel that transformation. And that's, that's powerful when they, when they see that on that, feel that. I wanted to jump in um, um, here for a second. And I apologize. My wife is blow drying her hair in the background. So <laughs> If you hear a roar back there, uh, I'm glad she's I do, I do that here. a lot too. It's, it's fine. Yeah. Yes. Um, first, I just wanted to say that I, I love Emmy's question, and I'm going to embarrass Emmy by telling you that um, Emmy is a is an incredible treasured colleague of mine and to the whole What School Could Be team. And among the millions of things that she's done, um, she's managed to show what uh, most likely to succeed in every prefecture in Japan. Um, which is an astonishing feat. And the reason why I bring that up, and I'm just so stoked that she's in on this conversation, is that the story, and I'm, I'm assuming you've seen most likely, or yeah. yeah. So the story of Brian is an incredibly complex story. And, um, you know, I've asked so many of my podcast guests to dive into that question of Brian. And I've heard many of the backstories from Ted Dintersmith about what was happening with Brian in real time as Greg Whiteley finished two years of, of filming at High Tech High, um, and that it was not known that that team was going to fail and that Brian was going to be that central figure. Um, and I just, I just think that, um, and I've, I've spoken to a number of people who have shown most likely to their students and who have examined that particular narrative very closely. Um, and sometimes it's useful to know that a number of Brian's teammates refused to be interviewed by Greg Whiteley, the director, and refused to sign waivers because they're still pissed that, um, <laughs> you know, that Brian led them down this path. Um, and then he ends up looking kind of heroic at the end for finishing the project, right? So I just think that there's, there's so many cool things that you can do when you examine other people's stories and you look at the way those stories unfold and then you give students an opportunity in a focus group to really unpack it. And then, you know, how does it apply then as they go forward? How do moments like that apply? So anyway, just wanted to drop that in there. 
No, I love that. We, we appreciate you sharing that. I mean, it makes me think of the one group we had, and I know we're already over time, but we had a group, their project, uh, they didn't have to start over because I think every time you've gone down a pathway, you've gained some insight. But for the lack of a better term, I'm going to say they had to start over four times and they were to that breaking point of like, this just not <laughs> going to work. I mean, they were working right up, you know, they were burning the midnight oil to have something ready for exhibition because they were so passionate about their idea. It just, the piece just didn't quite fit the way that, you know, and in the end they got it, but man, that, that to watch that process, I think they were the ones that probably walked away with more in, insight about themselves than any other group that you don't realize that in the moment because you watch it and you're like, Oh my gosh, like it's, it's, it's not working again. Like, what do we do? Do we intervene? You know, how do we, how are we going to handle this? And how do we stay hands off? And I mean, to that point where we don't want complete breakdown, but it really has to be theirs. And, you know, in the end, like their reflections, I think are the ones that are the most powerful yeah. because they had to undergo a lot that had died deep into themselves and each other yeah. to get to that end point. And when you when you talk about wrestling, um, and I don't know what part of Iowa, uh, Iowa you're in, but I'm a I'm a graduate of University of Iowa, so oh, we're 45 as, minutes away. Oh, sweet! So as you know, the winners of so many national uh, uh, NCAA wrestling titles um, over the years, it's you know just impossible <laughs> to keep track. Um, but I, I love I love the idea that um, in that wrestling metaphor. And when, when you look at Brian's story, it's like what kids can really wrestle with is what is it that compels you through challenging moments like that over and over again? You just can't quite get there. And if you get them really thinking at that kind of meta internal level about what it is that helps them to move through, is that not the greatest lifelong gift yeah. you can give kids is to have them in an environment like that? So I'm really stoked. Um, that you've been part of this today and, and that this video replay will be available to people on the yeah. platform as well. It's, yeah. it's sharing. Yeah. And I, I, I echo what Josh is saying and thank you, Josh, for encapsulating so much of it in that, that bit. Um, but I, it's, this is what it's really all about is sharing these examples. So thank you for sharing this example with the what school could be community, but just even in this conversation today and for bringing up the great questions, um, I mean, and Rich and Josh and Donna, like I just, really appreciate that we're all still finding ways to get kids to enjoy learning and to make learning not just um, fun, but effective and authentic. And so thank you so much for sharing the work that you're doing with us and with the community. We really appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, kudos to these two phenomenal uh, people to my right here, because they're making it happen every day you know, uh, with lots of kids and in a system and a, a state of education, it's really hard to do that. Like they, you know, there's a lot of pressures to, you know, keep squashing out the expertise of professionals, you know, and still trying to find ways to showcase to people that you, you're doing all the things you're expected to do and you can do that and more, um, you know, if you're dedicated to the craft, which, which, which these two people are. Woke up at six o'clock in the morning, chilling with coffee mugs, me and coffee chugs, talking education all across the nation, pushing boundaries, thinking innovation.